I love it. And it, it brings it brings to mind the um, importance of self-care yes. when we're caregiving and also making choices, Yes, you know, in your life at large and when you're caregiving, making a choice to make that experience the best it can be. And uh, if possible, dare I say it, a transformative experience in your life. Oh, 100%. Hi, I'm Debbie Howard. Hi, I'm Deb Harlow. We're friends, colleagues, business owners, and caregivers. And we are Women Who Care. We care about the wholeness of the caregiving journey. We care about it today, tomorrow, and on into the future. We care about creating a legacy that makes a difference. And we are Women Who Care. Hi, I'm Debbie Howard, and I'm here with my co-host, Deb Harlow. Hello, I'm so happy to be here with you, Debbie. We are so excited to be here today to kick off the first episode of our new podcast, Women Who Care. Let's get get started by talking a little about who we are, why we're doing this podcast, and what we hope to achieve. Deb, would you like to start? I would love to. So uh, for those of you who maybe don't know me or my story, I was a youth caregiver. I was a primary caregiver to my father from the age of 12 to 24. He had had a massive stroke that left him uh, completely incapable of working, mobility, you know, even being able to put on his own shoes. So here we were, a family that had just recently relocated to the San Francisco Bay Area. So not only was my father sick and he was the primary breadwinner, but we were now in a new neighborhood where we didn't have a community to plug into. So no family, no friends, nobody. So my role very quickly (laughs) shifted from being a 12 year old girl trying to figure out how to be a new kid, a new tween in middle school to being a intense to being a primary caregiver. And uh, you know, all of the bumps, knocks, bruises, all of the things that come from that journey in retrospect really has given me the hindsight to see that that was an experience that has given me so much insight into who I am and how I deal with chaotic times Mm -hmm. and how I can deal with uh, the inevitable, which is caregiving. And um, I've been able in my journey throughout the years through youth and then into adulthood to really be able to see the positives that have come from a really challenging experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I really love your story so much, Deb. I came to caregiving at a much older age. I was 54, uh, but it was also a very sudden thing happens with caregiving we don't know when it's going to happen and it just yeah it happens when it happens and in my case uh i was working and i had a high-flying career in tokyo and had been running my market research business for over 20 years and um i got the phone call from my mom uh one may telling me that she had been diagnosed with stage four lung cancer And, um, and it was just devastating to my sisters and I and my mom and we 
did the best we could for the first year. And of course I had two younger sisters and we all worked together, but after one year, and that was, you know, helping my mom with chemotherapy and all kinds of things. And my mom was okay on her own at that point with a little bit of support. But after one year, both of my sisters, uh, family leave, family medical leave was done. Uh, they both worked for companies. I had my own company in Japan, so I was the only one with the wherewithal of the three of us. Um, she had three children to choose from. I was the uh, only one of the three of us who had the wherewithal to go home and take care of her 24-7. Wow. So, so that's what I did, and I ran my business uh, in Japan using uh, you know time zone juggling and all kinds of things. Uh -huh. Uh, off the dining room table where we had had uh, dinners when I was in the third grade back mm. in Greenville, Greenville, South Carolina. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was it was a very tough situation. We probably uh, had 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 a uh, I think a more optimal situation than many people do. Um, I had my own bedroom, for example, and, and my own bathroom. And that's an amazing plus right there yeah. to be able to have some privacy. Uh, but but it was very traumatic, and it was the most difficult job I've ever done in my life, and I would say probably the best job as well. Uh, yeah. I, I just did not want to waste the um, experience that I had had and all I had learned, um, and I experienced along with my market research experience and combined my personal story with the story of over 100 other caregivers and wrote a book about it called The Caregiving Journey, um, Information, Guidance, and Inspiration. And that's how you and I came to meet. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, because, because, yes, because I, I ended up at a writing retreat, and you were there as well. And yes. so we were both working on our respective projects and just hit it off. And ever since, we've been working pretty tirelessly, I would say, um, <laughs> On uh, in our spare time from our full-time jobs to advocate for family caregivers through a variety of channels. Yes. And uh, for those of you who are listening, you may be familiar with uh, the bi-weekly newsletter and blog that we do, uh, annual 31-day easy self-care challenge uh, that is so much fun and so helpful to so many people. Uh, and we also spent the last three years working together at caregiving.com's National Caregiving Conference in Chicago, 2017, 18, and 19. Of course, can't do it this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those were, those were some fun times, Deb. Oh, my goodness. That's an understatement. You know, Debbie and I have this energy where we know how to work hard and play hard simultaneously. So <laughs> we, we definitely embody the 80-20 rule. So we're going to be able to have a successful book launch like we did for Debbie, where she became an Amazon bestselling author on the day that we were just kicking back, drinking our coffee. <laughs> so we definitely embody being able to have success, but not at all costs. That's an important piece for us. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. I love it. And it, it brings it brings to mind the um, importance of self-care yes. when we're caregiving and also making choices, yes. you know, in your life at large and when you're caregiving, making a choice to make that experience the best it can be. And uh, if possible, dare I say it, a transformative experience in your life. 
Oh, 100%. So for example, with the caregiving conferences and the activities we've had, uh, there was a year that I brought my family with me. And it was important for yes. me to have my family with me on that journey. So they were on the plane ride with me to Chicago. They were there at the event with us. They were talking to the other yeah. speakers. My little ladybug was they in. They were working. <laughs> they, they were, were working. working <laughs> my little ladybug would be in the room whenever I would present or be part of a panel, as well as whenever Debbie would present or be part of a panel. And my little daughter, we call her ladybug, as most of you already know, she would walk around with the clipboard and get everybody to sign up and, and just engage with all of them. She was at our, um, our book table and was making sure that people knew about about Debbie's book and my book and all of the things. And then we all just celebrated together, which I think is the biggest piece that in the caregiving community, often people don't feel is coming together in a sense of community. And so I know for me and for Debbie, that's always been a big piece of how we show up is um, really, really embracing our time together and knowing that we can um, do things together and it makes it a much more enjoyable experience. Absolutely. And I still, I know we can't go this year, but wow, that sushi restaurant there in Chicago is, and I, and I'm sorry, I am a sushi snob having, having lived in Tokyo for over 30 years. That sushi restaurant is amazing. It's so good. Um, I want it now. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's really fabulous and well done. And we also had some great deep dish uh, Chicago style pizza as well. We did. We certainly enjoy our food. That's no, <laughs> that's no joke. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, thinking about all the things we've done together, we've also done, um, you know, the event that we did in Texas for the regional one. Yes, that's right. The Regional Caregiving Conference that was also sponsored by caregiving.com in April of 2019. It's hard to believe that was just about a year and a half ago. I know. Um, and it was such an amazing event right here in my town of Wimberley, Texas, which is a town of about 5,000 people. And uh, we have a lot of activity on the caregiving front in our town, actually. Um, and we had uh, we had a day long workshop with 12 speakers and three different breakout sessions throughout the day. And we reached over 100 local caregivers in our community with information, guidance and inspiration. And I think everybody really loved that. And we're going to do it again once we get uh, back in a situation where <laughs> we can do things like that. But that was a that was such a great day, wasn't it? Yeah, I loved it. Um, I absolutely loved being able to be part of all of the experiences that we've had, Debbie, because I mean, one thing that our audience can can start to really get to, to know and trust if they don't already know this about us is that you and I uh, will always want to make sure that we create an environment for people to number one, know that they're not an, alone. And that number two, that there is a lot of information that we can all share. And that's the biggest piece that I think has come up from a lot of the events that we've done is that once we have an awareness or a bit of information, we want to make it accessible yes. to everyone. Um, yes. Because our experience and something we're very, very passionate about is that we want to shorten the amount of stress, strain, and research that is required for caregivers to step into a role yes. that is very demanding. And Absolutely. those events, the book projects we've done, the courses we've created, the way that we show up at a grassroots level as well as in corporate is because we care, we wanna make the experience for caregivers so much more easier than it already 
can feel impossible to reach. It's so true, Deb, and there is so much out there that's so good and so helpful, but when you're a caregiver and you're put into that um, emergency mindset, you often don't think or maybe you don't even have time to go looking for that sort of thing. So I do feel that one of the roles we, we provide is, is, is giving that curated view yes. of what's out there. We've already done all that research. Uh, we've done the homework and it really is a fast track for caregivers in terms of getting them up and running and getting the information and resources they need. Yes, most definitely. Yeah. Through, through everything we've done, too, um, I have been so touched by the stories of all the different family caregivers and all the different situations uh, we've heard about. Um, you know, your story, Deb, is amazing that you were caregiving, uh, caregiving at 12 years old. Um, and, and of course, at the conferences we've been at, we've, everyone has a caregiving story. And uh, it's just amazing how many people have have already been caregivers and uh, all the different varieties in experience that they've had. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's also amazing uh, at the sheer magnitude of the challenge in our society. And, um, you know, just thinking about the United States alone, um, over half of the households in America are involved in caring for an adult loved one. Uh-huh. And that, yeah, and it's an amazing, and, and it's, it's also, they, they're saying 50 million people now, over 50 million adults are taking care of adults over 50. Mm. Okay, so we're, we're talking about adult caregiving. Um, of course, we can also get into caregiving for disabled children. Um, there are many, many situations, and they are all increasing in our society. And we see that the issue of caregiving is absolutely growing and not going away. Right. It's, it's just something that we're, we're going to be experiencing in our lives um, from now on. We've got 10,000 baby boomers turning 65 every day. Yes, I read US. that. I read that. I was like, okay, people, that's some basic math. Let's just pay attention. <laughs> the math is there. Yeah, that's, <laughs> the, the math is there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's, it's also a global issue. Most of my statistics focus on the U.S., but because of my interest in nexus to Japan, obviously, I'm starting to amass uh, statistics from there as well. And it's, it's very interesting to start comparing different societies and cultures and the way they deal with caregiving. Oh, most definitely. I mean, if you think about just culturally, there's going to be a different way that uh, each country or even in, in one country, certain communities is going to focus on how they care. And um, I think a a big piece probably we're also starting to see is how care for the longest time has been defined as uh, an established grown adult child Mm -hmm. caring for an elderly parent. That's been a large pocket Mm -hmm. of how the care is defined and or um, a spouse caring for a spouse um, that's in Mm -hmm. need. But since then we've seen whole gambits and all sorts of studies showing the diversity and scope of what the challenges are in caregiving and that it's not mm-hmm. just those criteria, right? For the long research we're finding. And so that sets it up as being, okay, 
the diversity now opens up a lot of the dialogue. So we're now seeing that caregiving impacts yes. millennials. We're seeing Gen X sandwich yeah. caregivers, which is myself. Uh, we're seeing more and more males yeah. showing up in the caregiving role and more youth caregivers. I can tell you in my personal experience, because mm -hmm. obviously youth caregiving is something I'm quite passionate about. It's something that um, mm -hmm. we're seeing much more happening now that more and more youth are being impacted by caregiving for a variety of reasons, right? It could be that now suddenly a grandparent lives in the home. And so now there's that impact. Um, sandwich, sandwich caregiving yes. definitely has an impact of the youth that's in the home being involved on some level of the caregiving. And, yes. um, you know, it's mm -hmm. just, I think what it does is it really broadens our awareness to be able to understand that the mm -hmm. demographics of caregiving are expanding and they really are, the times yes. are changing. I know that sounds cliche, but the times are changing <laughs> and we're seeing that systems yeah. are not able to meet the needs of the times are changing. Yeah. And so as with most yes. things, it's kind of like a grassroots effort, if you will, that we change it from inside of our homes, impacting the way things are happening outside the homes. Um, the way that the structures yeah. support the individuals. And I can tell you right now with what we're certainly feeling about that diversity, we're in the midst of a pandemic. And most definitely, yeah. as we have seen in all of the conversations that are taking place in the caregiving communities, COVID has certainly served as a catalyst for us to look at every single household becoming aware of caregiving in a new way. And Yes, Every single household is also feeling some sort of a responsibility with caregiving because we're all indoors together. We're mm -hmm. starting to see the nuances of what it looks like and mm -hmm. how caregiving yeah. can be something that you can become one at any given time without planning, without preparation, yes. without conversation. You can go to bed one night and wake up the next morning and suddenly you're a full-time caregiver. Yeah, that's right. And, that's and right. when you were speaking yeah. into your story, that was similar to us. My dad was young, relatively speaking. He mm -hmm. was young. I mean, I was 12 and mm -hmm. my brother was 10. There was no plan. There was wow. no conversation. There was no, oh, this is coming. No. And so I really, really feel yeah. that I feel that compassion and that empathy in my journey and why I'm being even more involved in the caregiving community and that it can happen at any time. Let's stop viewing it as something that happens to the elderly. Let's stop view it as something that happens that I need to prepare for later on in life. Let's have a plan now. Let's have the conversations now. Let's prepare ourselves for that journey because it is coming. So that's a really yes. big piece that's important to me because to my experience and yours and to what most households have felt during this pandemic, there was no preparation. No, there wasn't. And that is one of the big commonalities between caregiving as we used to know it and caregiving yes. now. Like It's like you say, everyone knows what it feels like now to have a sudden emergency put yes. upon you yes. like that and throw us all into turmoil. And I, I'm not even talking about... I mean, we, we could talk about the whole turmoil of COVID, yes, <laughs> but also, also this whole tangential world of, of, of our loved ones and what's happening with them. And let's say that, um, I mean, I have several friends with aging parents who were fine and living independently, doing fine in their mid-80s. 
And of course, now it's very dangerous for them to yes. go out. So the, the adult child who, let's say they're in their early 60s, who was basically not having to support that much for the parent, maybe going to a few doctor's appointments or right. something like that, but nothing nothing much. Yeah. Uh, now are doing grocery store runs yeah. and lots of extra things to make sure that that 85-year-old doesn't have to go outside their home. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where a lot of these things, as you, know, as you and I have been chatting about, everybody to a certain extent is feeling those burdens of not having enough information, mm. not knowing where to go, not knowing what resources are safe or accessible, um, fears and curiosities about how it's all going to quote unquote play out. Um, and then really knowing mm. to what extent there are all of the extra things past the physical health, you know, the emotional health, the mental mm -hmm. health, the financial health, the mm -hmm. wholeness of the individual as the person needing care, as well as the caregiver. Um, you know, you mm -hmm. spoke into something super powerful where my mom is completely independent. I mean, she owns her own home. She has her car. She's just flitting about in her normal life and she's basically fine. She, she was, was. You know, totally <laughs> living her life. We live 500 miles away. So anytime there was a mm -hmm. need, I needed to figure out a plan that I could provide solutions for at a distance. And she has really bad yes. asthma. So you're in the midst of a pandemic mm. that impacts the respiratory. What do you think I did? Mom, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. And, and then it was That's like, right. how do I then make everything accessible for her? So, and mm -hmm. you know, my story is probably not far from a lot of people's stories because, um, you know, families at this stage, because the world is so large, they're probably not living in the same town together. You're potentially living a plane ride away or a long drive away from your loved ones. And so navigating For many, many families, yes, many families. Mm -hmm. And then you start to factor in all those things that we talked about, the emotional, the physical, the mental, the financial decisions and how to manage them. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I, it's easy to kind of maybe succumb to the overwhelming sense of what this all represents. However, that's not our approach. Like we always think about, okay, it may feel chaotic, but how can we find the positive? How can we find the planning? How can we find the way to get, yes. how can we way, find the way to get through these challenging times together, number one, together yes. with the right tools yep. so that we can still live as is important to me, a joyful life in a way that really um, takes care of ourselves and our loved ones. Yes. Yes. And, and, and we, you know, that, that takes work. It takes work. <laughs> yes, it, it does. <laughs> and, and intention, it yes. takes intention and work and paying attention. Um, I, I have become so uh, enamored and impassioned of this area, Deb. And, you know, one of the things that's been so impressive along the way are the many caregiving advocates, people like us, who we've met along the way. Yes. Uh, it's just been, I dove into this world out of a, a passion for sharing my story and hoping that my experience didn't go to waste. That was my initial driver. But honestly, the people that we've met along the way are just so amazing. Like people who advocate with politicians and bureaucrats in Washington, DC for more supportive legislation. Uh, people who are developing products to help caregivers and care receivers. I 
think of what I'm not going to name any names right this minute, but we'll be coming back to the, there are some fabulous things out there that are developed by caregivers out of their own experience. Yes. Um, people who coach and counsel other caregivers, people like you and I who have taken it upon themselves to get skills in coaching and counseling so that they can give back. Exactly. I think that's an amazing area. And people who run local programs to get the word out in their own communities. Right here in Wimberley, we have uh, one woman who is a literal uh, one woman help for Alzheimer's patients. Mm. And she started, she started a, a, a weekly circle of friends at our community center. And if you are an Alzheimer's caregiver, you can come drop your Alzheimer's care receiver off for three hours every Thursday afternoon and take a break. Mm. And it's an amazing thing. And this woman started this and she's got other caring organizations in the community. And this is a small community co uh, contributing their time to do, to take care of, of the Alzheimer's patients in this group. And some of them are professionals as well. Um, so it's, it's, it's a real nice community effort there. And those, those kinds of things are really, really inspirational. Uh, I have also been impressed with uh, companies and institutions who are running national and global studies that teach us about the caregiving crisis in the world yes. and what we can do about yes. it. And I, I'm really thankful to groups like um, NEGBH, maybe it's NEBGH, I think, <laughs> Northeast Business Group, um, and also the National Alliance for Caregivers, um, AARP, Harvard Business School yep. has done a really great report on called The Caring Company. These reports are critical to getting everyone in our society to, from many different viewpoints to understand uh, the crisis and what can be done about it. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's, I think that's probably the biggest shift that I've noticed um, that provides inspiration for you and I. I mean, you and I chat about this and that uh, we're passionate about it. We're willing to share our stories of awareness to be able to help in any way that it might help others. So number one, they know that they're not alone. Number two, they can have the learning curve be shortened um, in all the ways that it benefits them. But it's so reassuring to me personally to know that other entities and organizations are starting to look at caregiving as um, a community conversation versus a thing yes. that an individual experiences behind closed doors. And yes. I feel like that's the biggest shift of what we're seeing that is so impressive and so reassuring candidly for me is that if we mm -hmm. don't as a culture start looking as caregiving as a part of a community experience, it's gonna come mm -hmm. to a head, right? We can't look at it as this is just what Jane Doe does behind closed doors, right? It's no, her experience mm -hmm. impacts every aspect of her life. So mm -hmm. instead of you know having it be this side thing for her, have it be the conversation. So that way that everybody can come together and be, um, be an ally and an advocate for the whole journey for everyone. Yes, yes, it, it, it's not something it's not something separate from any of us. Yes. It, it is, it is part of all of us. And, and, you know, I, I always, one of my favorite statistics is that the unpaid non-professional work that is done by family caregivers uh, is the, on an annual basis valued at the annual 
budget of Medicare. Mm. It's astounding. Our healthcare system could not survive without the contributions of normal people like you and I stepping up and, and helping our loved ones. And, and that's to the tune of at least 20 hours a week in yes. addition to full-time jobs. Yes. That's the minimum. The average is 20 hours. So yes. many people give much more than that. And many people uh, care give for much longer than the average of 4.5 years. Yes. If, if, with Alzheimer's and dementia patients, sometimes it's 10, 15, even 20. It yes. can be very, very long haul uh, caregiving. So um, yeah, we have a more diverse group of people caregiving. Uh, one quarter of all caregivers are now millennials. Yep. You mentioned that earlier, Deb, and it, it definitely is uh, becoming something that we all ought to be thinking about and planning for. Yes. And I think that's part of where this um, is exciting, right? We're, we're starting to have, that's what this is. This, this podcast is a conversation around the stories and the people and the movements that are aware that caregiving is a part of life. It's not a yes. segment of your life that you address only at a certain chapter. And so the more that we can have these conversations, the more that we can be prepared and informed and inspired on how to navigate it. Um, and I know that's a big piece that's important to both you and I. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. speaking of things that we hope to achieve, because obviously uh -huh. there's a goal for what we're doing, we definitely, yes. we definitely are inspired that, you know, we want to become more aware of the wider group of women in the world who are through their work, through the way that they show up in their communities, through the legacy that they are creating, whether they realize it or not, that they're changing the world for the better. And that's mm -hmm. something that's so important to me, especially because I'm a mom. I want to know that the individuals that exist in this world are showing up in a way like I am to leave the world better than the way we found it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I spoke about all the people we had been so impressed by along the way. And honestly, we did become impassioned about sharing their stories. Um, people who are directly caring for their loved ones and those who are caring for their wider communities through their outreach and their work. It's just, uh, it's when you, if you, if you, it's kind of a funny thing when you look at things from a negative viewpoint, you see negative things. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you, you and I, you and I are into the joy journaling and yes. the, the happy side. I, I look for good and I see good. And, right. and I, I refuse to have anybody tell me differently. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to take it. <laughs> yeah. Cause I have seen some amazing, amazing people out there doing amazing things. And um, you know, it's just very exciting to be a part of that and to use uh, the digital uh, means that we have at our hands today to share that out. Yes. Yeah. I would say that was I've told a lot of people, you know, if you want to know the testimonial for the work that I do is actually working, just look at my life. I'm a living, breathing <laughs> testimonial that you can go through some of the most insurmountable challenges and still come out joyful, living a life of purpose. And yes. that's the type of energy that I embody. That's the type of energy that you embody. And that's the type of energy that everyone that we get a chance to be blessed to have on this show embodies as well. And that they mm -hmm. took really challenging scenarios and situations and experiences and they navigated them to the best of their ability. And then as they came out the other side, 
they cared enough. Hence, women who care, they cared enough to say, I'm not just going to squander my life experience and journey and just keep it in my back pocket, right? They're going to say, I'm going to mm -hmm. go speak my message to the world so that others might, number one, just know that they're not alone. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's really important. And again, if I can shorten the experience of research, stress, strain, finances for somebody by just hearing how I did it or how you did it or how the next person did it, that is invaluable. Because as a caregiver, we don't have time to waste. We don't have resources to waste. We don't have energy no. to waste. No. And yeah. some of the best resources are the people who have already done it. Anyway. Oh, hands down. Yes, I totally. Mean, right. Because they, they have feet on the ground. It. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to hear it. I, I, I really, really couldn't um, say how much I've learned from the other caregivers. People, yes. people just like us who were not professional nurse. You've taken nursing, Deb, but I certainly haven't. Being in marketing, right? And right. Um, I tell you what, that was that was one hairy situation. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I can tell you also just even coming from nursing, there are those that are medically trained in nursing, and when they become caregivers, it's still a different experience. Yes, you might know how to administer the wound care or yes, you might know how to administer an injection or this versus that, but it's still your loved one in front of you. Mm -hmm. And all the training in the world will potentially go out the window to some degree when it's yeah. you in that scenario with your loved one. And yeah, so that's... again, you know, firsthand experience is so important. I don't want to have book knowledge when it comes to caregiving. I want to have human mm -hmm. knowledge. And that comes right. from hearing the stories of those who have lived these experiences. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so I know definitely for the why Debbie and I came together is that in short, our mission with the Women Who Care podcast is to truly showcase the caring spirit. And I know I've used the word care a lot, but it's because it's so important to us. Because if you care about something, you value it and you protect it and you nurture it and you make sure that it is um, cared for. So we've approached this podcast, the Women Who Care podcast, as being one where we can showcase one woman, one home, one business, one community, one podcast at a time and make a difference with the work that we're doing in the world. I, I love that, Deb, and, and I, I really am so proud to be working on this with you and, um, you know, our goal, you know, to, of, to bring enlightened perspectives from women who care about things like health, well-being, and wholeness for themselves as well as for those around them, um, and, and also for the legacy impact they make through their work. I, I want to leave this world a better place. And I know you mentioned yeah. Ava and yes. making sure that the world is a better place for Ava too. Ava's yes. mine, by the way, for our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we have a little bit of time, Deb. <laughs> yes, but I mean, you know, think about it. So in the work that I do in particular for making the world a better place for my daughter, I also do work with, with girls. So I do girls empowerment workshops and it's because I, I really that. want the future generations understand how they can trust their experience and trust their innate gifts because caregiving is going to impact them even as young as my daughter who's nine. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm passionate about caregiving and the capacity of dealing with youth as well as dealing with um, individuals in the sandwich phase of caregiving. Mm -hmm. And um, it really is. I love when we talk about our show and we talk about the work that we're doing individually and collectively, we use the word legacy. 
Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've often growing up, it was like legacy was this word that you ascribe to wealthy people who had philanthropic endeavors and their legacy that was that they left a wing at a hospital or they have their name on a university. Yes. Uh And then as I got older, after my father passed, I realized that legacy became redefined for me. Legacy became this way of being in the world. And it allowed me to say that I was living my legacy. My legacy was when I was gone, that people would look back on how I lived my life. And they would even notice my legacy while I was still alive, right? They would be like, that's her legacy, the way that she shows up. Mm -hmm. And that's the piece that I find so inspiring about the work that we're doing and the people that we get to engage with in this podcast Mm -hmm. is they're living their legacy. They're not waiting to see the fruits of their labor after they pass away. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, they are living their legacy, making an impact through the work that they're doing today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. So for, for Debbie and myself and part of this for at woman who care, we are focused on inspiring new ways of thinking, being, doing, and caring. And that's something that I know is so important to me personally, as well as important to Debbie. And it's going to be a critical piece of, a, of our journey with the podcast. And we're just so excited. And personally, I feel so blessed to be able to do this journey with you, Debbie, and um, to hopefully make a difference. Yes, yes. I'm thrilled, Deb. It's just going to be, uh, re- it's already fun and it's going to be even more fun. <laughs> Yes. And as the community gets to know, they will understand that we definitely enjoy having fun together. (laughs) (laughs) Life is too short to not enjoy it along the way. I agree. agree. (laughs) Yes. So um, at the beginning of the show, we were talking about just, you know, one of the many things that is passionate um, to our projects is the self-care challenge. Mm -hmm. And I want to speak a little bit about that because Self-care is this, you know, word du jour that's kind of thrown around right now about all the different things that you can do, you know, is self-care going to bed earlier? Is it going to the spa? Maybe it's both. And, Mm -hmm. and so really I wanted to speak into this because this is a really, really critical piece of the work that we do. Mm -hmm. And as women who care, Debbie and I really understand that self-care needs to be first on the list as a priority for self. Mm -hmm. And the reason being is uh, the world will always have its hand out asking for something of you. And then when you add in caregiving, it means that you constantly have somebody vying for your attention, asking for some need to be met. Mm-hmm. And something that is really, really important to me is that as a culture, we start to redefine the role of the caregiver in ways that the caregiver can feel fully empowered to put their needs first and making sure that their needs are met in an easily accessible manner. And that it becomes a habit of caregiving first before providing care. Mm -hmm. And I know for Debbie and I, that's a big reason why we do the 31 day easy self-care challenge is number one, it's easy. We wanna make sure that people have easily accessible habits to form. And number two, we want the conversation around self-care to be a regular conversation at the corporate level, as well as at the dinner table. We want individuals to start talking about self-care in a way that becomes normal and empowering and a habit. 
Yes. So I'm curious, Debbie, because we've done a handful of these now and we've definitely been, you know, deepening into our self-care. What have been some of your like favorite ones or things that maybe you hadn't have heard of before um, we started the challenge? Well, let's see. One, one of my, let me just name my first go-to because even from the moment I wake up, it makes me feel like I've done something nice for myself. And I, I know that uh, when I was caregiving for my mom, I, I probably was even more uh, dedicated to my self-care because I, I was afraid not to. Uh, I made uh -huh. sure of a lot of things and checking a lot of boxes that I slip on nowadays. But, uh, but I'm trying to get back in there with the self-care challenges, and they really have helped me. And one of the things I love is drinking. Uh, I, I, I just cut up a, a lemon and drink the juice of one lemon with some water in the morning. That's the first thing mm -hmm. I put in my body is something really good and purifying, something that's got vitamin C, um, antibiotic, and, and, and immune system building type um, uh, properties. And I even this morning, I thought, oh, I just really want that cappuccino. And I thought, no, let's, <laughs> let's have the lemon water first, and then you can have the cappuccino. And I did that, and I felt better. <laughs> yes. And I yes. start my day with that every day. And the other thing, the biggest thing that I have learned this year, and I'm just going to, I'm going to, uh, I just want to compliment you on this so much, Deb. Um, you have the joy journaling process that is, yes. uh, was a mystery to me until <laughs> I had been hearing about it for several years from you and listening and thinking I would like to do that, but I just had not done it yet. And this year was so, has been so trying. And what I did is on January 25th, I started, I got a clean book and I got some markers and I just started playing with it. And I allowed myself one page a day and I doodle just like you said to do. And I just doodle, I, I doodle whatever comes to my mind. And it, it's been a, a really wonderful experience now. I have done it every day since January 25th. I haven't counted the exact I love that yeah. so much. It's huge. It's huge. And, um, and, I, and I write in the morning, I write what my, it's kind of like what I'm thinking about, what I want to call in that day. And I doodle. Sometimes I just make letters with double colors and I use colors I want. And sometimes I actually try to draw my stick figures of myself, <laughs> et cetera, <laughs> but it's fine. You know, I draw some flowers off my back deck or, you know, I draw whatever yes. I want and I don't judge my drawing, which is, you know, not, yes. not exactly fabulous, but that's okay. I'm not trying to be in an art gallery. I'm, I'm trying to have a, a short meditative moment to myself in the morning um, yes. without digital, without anything. I, yes. I used to grab my phone first thing out of bed that is so yes. damaging. It's unbelievable. There, the world will wait. The world can wait mm -hmm. 30 minutes or an hour while I do my doodling, you know, and, and yes. just that mindset alone has been groundbreaking for me. I, I really mm -hmm. can't tell you. And then at night, what I do is I, I just say what I'm, what I'm grateful for, for the day. And, you know, yes. make a few notes about what I did that day. And, uh, it's really, really changed uh, the quality of my life, I would say. Uh, 
I love that so much. Oh my goodness. Thank well, you for that gift. Thank um, you for that gift. <laughs> my pleasure. Yes. Well, you know, we'll definitely through the podcast and through the other things that we do together, um, for those that are curious about joy journaling, you will certainly hear about it from me because it is my uh, ride or die go-to. <laughs> <laughs> I have been joy journaling since I was 12. I know. That's and so amazing, Deb. I want to say I'm a little bit older than 12 now. So <laughs> I've been doing it for a while. And... Uh, <laughs> And I can tell you that um, it has evolved throughout the years into where it was uh, the mechanism of my sanity mm. when I was young mm. in a really, really challenging situation where none of the adults in my life were able to hear my needs. Mm. And then as I went off into school and adult and into psychology, sociology, and nursing, I was able to then add the science behind the practice that I had already been doing intuitively as a youth. Mm. So it's grown into this thing where I'm like, I'm the living, breathing testimonial of this works, and I can also give you the science. Well, and you, yes. <laughs> so if you need the science, you can have it, because I have that from Harvard as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know that Ava has been joy journaling since she was three, right? Yes. Yeah, so actually a little, you know, sidebar about this. So talking about self-care, number one for me is water as well. I wake up and I guzzle a big, massive mason jar of water mm -hmm. because I'm made of water. Mm -hmm. So when I wake up, I'm instantly dehydrated. Mm -hmm. um, I also have removed technology. So I don't wake up to the cell phone. I wake up to other things that so I don't want to reach over, turn the cell phone off and then start looking. Yeah. That's been a really big catalyst for me and um, the joy journaling. So right there, that's something that I really have embodied. And for my daughter, she's been joy journaling since she was three and a half. And a uh, real quick snippet of that story. It's because joy journaling isn't journaling as in like writing something, you know, writing out sentences. Yes. It's all about the meditative state that you get into when you doodle. So you can doodle and draw and stickers and markers. It's, it's uh, accessible to every individual at every age, including those that might have Alzheimer's or a disability or not being able to really do too much. Yes. They can still put their self-expression on the page mm -hmm. in whatever way. Mm -hmm. And so we did that because she was in a really bad accident when she was three and a half. And I knew in the marrow of my bones as her mama and as a child caregiver and somebody who had navigated stress at an early age, she needed to have a way of self-expression that um, she might not have been able to access with words because she was so young. Mm -hmm. And so it was art therapy. I'm trained in art therapy. So I also understood the power of it from my background. And it has turned into this really powerful tool uh, maybe one of these days I'll take a picture in her bedroom. She has shelves and shelves and shelves of journals. Oh, I have all of her, so just her artwork and her stickers and things. I've always promised her that I wouldn't show the inside pages because those are her sacred, but I can show you pictures of a of, of the shelf. So yeah. maybe I'll do that one of these days so people can see. She's been doing it for over six years oh now. It's, it's her it's her go-to as well as mine. Mm. And we often will joy journal together. And it becomes a part of my self-care and just knowing that um, she has me and I have her. Mm. And that's a big piece about self-care that I'm really passionate uh, is that as a community and culturally, if we can start to involve our loved ones in our self-care process, it starts to become this thing where our loved ones don't see us leaving from them to go get care. Mm -hmm. 
it becomes a way of saying, I'm going to fill my cup up. So I'm present for you. Mm -hmm. So they're excited to see us go do self care Mm -hmm. because it benefits them as well. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the narrative. I'm hoping that individuals will start embracing so that self care becomes collaborative and uh, celebratory versus, oh, it's this thing where I don't have you around. Right. right? So, yeah, so true. Definitely. So true. Well, I can't speak for you, Debbie, but I can speak for myself in saying that I am so, so grateful and so excited that we said yes to doing this journey together and yes to this amazing community and yes to our collaboration. It just feels so good. And, you know, my cup overrunneth with joy that we're on this journey together. And I, I feel exactly the same, Deb. Thank you so much. The feeling is completely mutual. I love it. (laughs) So I I can't believe we like have our first episode in the can. This is so exciting. Yes. Yes. It's amazing. One of these, one of these days we'll probably share with the audience, the community, just the evolution of getting to this point Uh because we both had individuals podcast and we decided, yeah, and we're doing it together. I know. It's so (laughs) fabulous. I know I've been thinking about doing it for a couple of years now and I know you have been as well. So it just worked out really well, like every good thing in the universe, right? (laughs) It does. And it's so much more fun to do something with those that you love than doing it alone. So I'm like, why don't we do this together? (laughs) Oh, yes, absolutely. I love it. I love it. Well, I can't believe it. So yes, we're going to wrap up our first episode and I definitely want to be able, I know, to say thank you to all of you who are listening today. It means so much to us that you are on this journey with us and we, we really, really, really are passionate about the experience that we create for you. And so we hope that you'll join us for every episode. We promise to make it fun. We promise to make it inspirational. We promise to make it educational. We love to engage with the community. So we will provide you with all sorts of different ways to be able to keep in touch with us outside of the uh, shows. Mm -hmm. And um, just really, really, uh, we hope that this becomes a safe haven for you and your caregiving journey. And that if it provides comfort and care and inspiration to you, that you share it with your friends and your connections so that they can receive the benefits as well to know that they're not alone Mm -hmm. on this caregiving journey. And so until next time, we are women who care. Okay, caregiving community, thank you so much for tuning in to Women Who Care. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate, review, subscribe, follow, and share. You can also connect with us over on Instagram. Until next time. Hi, I'm Debbie Howard. Hi, I'm Deb Harlow. We are friends, colleagues, business owners, and caregivers. We envision a future where caring is not only normalized, but where it's also honored and celebrated. Please join us in making this possible. And we are Women Women Who Care. Care.